Firstly, thank you very much, Micah, for coming to my show. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Sai. So I'm going through your profile and uh, I can see the work that you're doing. I thought to tell about the work uh, to my audience. Okay, that's good. Um, in order to talk about the work, though, um, where I am doesn't really make any sense unless you know where I've come from. And so you're an IT guy, right? You do IT stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you do Amazon cloud stuff and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So I used to be an IT guy, um, but my skills kind of finish about, I don't know, 2010 or so. So my skills are like pre, pre a lot of the cloud stuff and pre the way things are done now. But I used to design... I used to design, build, install, manage, and then get out of bed for some really huge IT systems used in universities. So these are systems which were used in you know, globally 24-7. So my, I have a degree in physics, you know, that's where I come from. And um, I'd kind of build big IT systems and then install them, make sure that they never went wrong, because when they went wrong, I'd have to get out of bed or one of my colleagues would have to get out of bed. And I kind of, the recent way of kind of building things is that um, when things go wrong, you just fire up another, fire up a new one and replace them. But my old, the old way of doing things was you had one or two servers you really cared about <laughs> and you made sure that they work. So that's where I kind of, that's where I started. Um, but then when I had kids, I kind of almost couldn't keep up with the tech. If that makes sense. I'm getting old. I'm 50 now. <laughs> and so I learned something called uh, I studied something called systems thinking. At the university, at a university. And so my work is. Um, my work has changed from a. Really. Detailed tech analytical world to almost a kind of broad world that looks at how things fit together and how people work and things like that. Does that make sense? Anything about that you'd like to know about? Because <laughs> I've got so much stuff, but I don't just want to go off and, you know, go off at an angle. So uh, until 2010, uh, you worked in IT. Oops. Well, I worked in IT actually till about 2016 <laughs> because the organization we worked for had kind of old tech. So they were a little bit behind the times. Um, so I worked in IT. I did, you know, I was a, I guess the closest thing I'd be like a, a reliability service reliability engineer. You know, like you build it, you look after it, you run it, you get yeah. out of bed. wrong. I did that kind of thing. But I guess the work you've seen that I do. Um, I kind of more do people stuff now and I do cartoons and I do explaining, trying to explain complex situations really easily with, with cartoons. Um, I'm just trying to think the best way to explain that. What I found out, um, I was an IT guy. I did, you know, IT work. And I, I'm, I was good at it. It's well paid. It's a good job. And, you know, my stuff went, generally went, worked right. 
Um, but then when I was about 40, I realized I had um, neurodiversity, you know, dyslexia. Um, and it turns out that learning tech stuff is really hard for me. It's absolutely you know, the hardest thing ever. Learning things, uh, learning the people side of things and coaching and drawing actually comes really simple to me because it just makes sense. So there's, I don't know if you know, the, there's a way to learn programming that might say, you know, learn 30 examples in 30 days. And you learn the 30 examples and then you kind of know how to do it. I don't, does that work for you? Is that how you learn? I can't learn like that. <laughs> I literally can't keep 30 examples in my head. The way I learn is I learn five principles. If something has the principles and then from those principles, I can work out all the examples. And I think that's why I struggled with tech. I really struggled to kind of get all the exam learning by example. My head didn't have the space to keep them all in. Whereas when I started learning systems theory and complexity and drawing, it's the other way around. You learn from you learn some principles of how everything works and then you apply those principles. Um, so, yeah, my work. I'm currently writing a, a book called How to Learn from Experts, which basically says um, it's fine learning from examples. You know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my colleagues, you know, they they have a brain that kind of can work like that. But some of us don't. So um, I'm trying to write up how it is that I learn. And then I'm trying to apply those principles to things that I do and that I teach. Does that make sense? <laughs> a lot of stuff there. So right now you are into uh, understanding system and working on system. Systems, um, I mean, because computers are systems, right? You know, you get computer systems, and IT systems. Um, the kind of systems I'm interested in generally involve people as well. And once you start to involve people, you generally need a different kind of toolkit to work with them. So if you imagine a computer system, you can look at it and it's a separate thing and you can almost reach in and change things. I mean, that's I guess that's how we make computers work. It's the same with cars and it's the same with plumbing and electrical work. You know, you've got a system that's out there and you can reach in and you can you can make it work. With computer systems, uh, sorry, with systems with people in, you're in the system yourself. There's nowhere that you're outside of the system, even if you've been brought in as a consultant you're still part of it and that needs all the you know computer system things are still true there is still a computer system there but there's this messy people system around the outside and i went from being well i went from being a techie who thought all systems could be solved you know by tinkering with them and i was good at that and that's what i could do and then I realized, actually, there's another type of system that involves the people. And that's what all the managers do. You know, all the people who don't understand what work they do. <laughs> that's the work that they're that's the world they're in. Um, 
but a lot of them, you know, I, I went from being quite a physics-based engineer who made systems work by tinkering with them and was quite good at it to someone who goes, oh, right, there's some really hard problems out here and they involve people. So as an example, I'm currently looking at some work which is for universities saying, what do we do about chat GPT? That's not a problem that you can engineer from outside. Everyone's, everyone's in it. And even finding out what people think, what their opinions are, um, in a, like for example, in a university. And I use cartoons <laughs> to do that. You know, I use silly cartoons, and I try and use I try and use systems and complexity ideas, make them look simple. You know, with cartoons. You know, that's kind of that's how I work. So uh, you have done a bachelor's in physics and uh, then uh, you worked in uh, technology and uh, you're getting great uh, pay in it. And then now uh, you're interest shifted on uh, people's thing, how things work in people's thing. Actually, right. the, the, the people that I interviewed, uh, the technologists, actually, they feel very tough to uh, be a people's person. But you are reverse. You are... You you actually mentioned that you, it is easy for you to be a people's, uh, you know, system. That's right. So when I did the degree, when I did my degree in physics, I thought everyone found it as hard as I did. But they didn't. <laughs> um, I was doing something that my brain really wasn't made to do. But because of the, I didn't realize I, I have a thing where I'll just bang my head against the problem until I fix it. So. I did a physics degree when it really wasn't suited. Um, part of my neurodiversity is I, I swap numbers around. So I, I swap numbers around and yet I've got a degree in maths and physics. You know, so I don't know how I managed that. But yeah, and it, but it wasn't. I was in my 40s when I actually realized that I could understand the people that, that there was even having words for what it was. I didn't even, I didn't necessarily have a word for what this whole people thing was. Didn't kind of realize there were books about it, didn't realize that there were things to learn. So yeah, definitely later in life I went, oh right, I can, I don't have to try as hard. It's still hard, don't get me wrong. But I don't have to try as hard, you know, to learn the people stuff. So, I mean, what that looks like right now, um, I've moved quite far away from, from IT, but I do, there's two things I do. One is called, uh, well, there's a draw your ideas, which is a bit like I, I sometimes work with PhDs, draw your PhD. And I interview someone and I build a model of what their, um, their idea of PhD is. So it's not that dissimilar to like an engine model or a computer model. Is what does it do? What details? What happens before? What happens after? Anything else? And you build your way through what they do and you build a model of it. Model in that it's a something I can draw. And then you have this what you can draw and someone can stand in front of it and point at it. And say this is what I do. 
and rather the idea being in their head and then trying to get the idea out of their head into someone else's head their idea gets into a drawing and then they talk about the drawing so it, it can be IT related and it can be tech related but I, I do like the the people shell around the outside of it and I also do a course where uh, it's like a, a one-hour workshop where I help people to draw you know how to start with a blank page and that's probably quite unlike a lot of your IT people who you talk to. <laughs> um, and yet I still know Linux, I still know Vi, I, I, I can exit Vi. So, you know, I still know the IT stuff, but not the cloud stuff that's around now. Kind of like the early 2000s, 2010s stuff. So after uh, working in IT, uh, for this much time in your life so what yeah. you have re realized and what what made you think uh, to do what you're doing now wow good questions thank you <laughs> you're making me think um after working in i so when i was in it i could be quite opinionated and i thought all problems could be solved with IT with the IT method. So when we had problems at work, management level problems, I was of the opinion, well, we just need to go and employ someone who's done this before. Find someone who's got the skills, who knows this is a problem. Find someone who's got the skills, who knows how to fix it, who's done it before. Bring them in and get them to do that. That was how I thought. Um, and for, for computer problems, if you've got a problem with your computer or your car or your plumbing or your electrics, that's exactly what you need to do. But people problems aren't like that. What worked last time doesn't necessarily work next time. Which is, you know, and things are path dependent. If you've got two choices and you choose one with people, you can't go back and make the other choice because you've already made. So if you've got the choice of, do I train people up or do I um, make them redundant? If you tell them you're gonna make them redundant, you can't go back and change your mind and train them up. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they no longer trust you. So I learned that there really is two types of, at least two types of problems. Um, and that was quite a big thing because my whole identity was built on you're good at tech, you can solve problems. So then realizing there was this whole set of problems that I just couldn't understand. Um, that was the motivation for learning. Does that make sense? So I was then, wow, all of this stuff I can learn. Um, and it was easier to learn than the physics, if that makes sense. Um, so. I worked at a local university and uh, a two year secondment job came up um, for drawing, making a visual representation of how the university works and fits together. Um, and I managed to get I got that job. So I didn't have I wasn't completely out. I was still in the same organization, but I went from. You know, using command line tools on on Sun servers to 
using post-it notes and crayons. And I build, I drew, I do drawings for people that, um, I drew how a whole university department worked. And the cool thing was that everyone, they asked me to print the pictures huge and put them on the, on the wall. Everyone could stand in front of the picture and point at their stuff and say that this is, you know, this represents what we think. And, you know, that's quite hard just for one person, you know, getting someone's idea and for them to agree that that's right. It's not easy. But for, you know, whole university department, um, I should give myself more credit for that because that's quite hard. <laughs> so your question was, yeah, what have I, what did I learn? What's changed? Can you remember what the last bit was? Because I've gone off on tangents a little bit. So what made you, what that strong reason for you to, uh, after coming out from IT and doing oh. what you're doing now? Yeah, the strong reason was I realized that there was something else to learn. Um, so the way this worked was I was I was a bit of a nerd. I used to help run the local Linux user group. So I, I would like to be around people learning things. Um, and I was just I'd buy books every I'd buy the, you know. If there's a tech book I hadn't read, you know, I'd go and read it just because it's there. I was just absolutely taking in all the information. Then I had kids and one of them woke me up really in the morning and one of them stayed up really late at night. And it came such that I just couldn't learn anything for years. And I was basically looking after kids, which is fine. That's what I signed up for. But it stopped me learning. And then when my kids started sleeping in and not getting up late, with me finding out that there was this thing I could learn, you know, systems and complexity science, which was a thing and you could learn it. And there were books and there were people who knew about it. Um, so both I did try and learn tech again. But I'd lost, you know, six years. And in those six years, everything had changed. Um, to give you an example, I think in 2006, um, Sun and Solaris started using containers, you know, basically what became um, Docker. But it was a bit, you know, Sun had invented it and it was a bit, you know, ropey around the edges. We used we used to orchestrate containers around our data centers using bash scripts manually. We kind of we invented Rancher. But very precise for our particular applications of moving containers around. And there were sound connections, you know, you had to move the data around with them and it was on. So 2006, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I knew what containers were and I knew how it all worked. I had kids. And when I came back, it was like, no, there's these 50 other new technologies you have to learn. And I, I couldn't do it because my brain wasn't made for it. You know, as I said, I found it really hard. So um, there were the two things there was, I was finding, but I was finding the tech stuff really hard. And there was this new thing that I could learn that I didn't find as hard. Um, and the whole getting older thing and all that together made me think, ah, there's something else here. As a quick aside, 
I don't know how well you know Linux, but you don't have to learn Linux via all the details. You can learn Linux by saying everything's a file, even the network, even the screen. There's permissions that one every command does one thing and one thing only. And you pipe the commands together and you get that's how you get things done. So with four or five principles. I could go to Linux and go, I, I know how to do this. I don't know exactly what the commands are, but in principle, I know how to solve this problem. And that's why I knew how to be a Linux engineer, but I didn't know how to be a Windows engineer because that's not how Windows works. But Linux, there's some principles you know, with Unix. You can just follow the principles and you'll get to the right answer. Um, yeah, and it was a combination of uh, the tech being really hard and me having six years of catching up to do and something else coming along that was just felt easy for me. So eventually uh, Linux or uh, managing containers, orchestration, and also the present job that you're doing, uh, 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 understanding the principles and telling principles and creating an architecture for the yeah. university and yeah. telling how things should be done in order to uh, have a great productivity. Yeah, that, that was that and that, that changed. An opportunity came up to do a job that was basically drawing with crayons. <laughs> so I took that job. And when that job finished, I worked as a business partner between IT and, and the business. So I kind of had enough people skills that I could um, talk to people, find out what they wanted, talk to the IT people because I could, they trusted me and I could talk their language and find out if they could do what people wanted. And so I, I, could, I, I did that bridge. Um, but now I'm full time you know um full-time helping people draw helping people helping people make sense of complex situations so don't work in it anymore you know i'm i'm freelance basically so how do you define yourself because you started the uh, uh learning with uh, physics and mathematics which is completely logical thing and uh, then you worked in something which is totally logical and you're trying to communicate with the machine which has no life and you did that for a long time called computer and servers all those things then now mm -hmm. you are communicating with human beings and uh, how, how you define this uh, the the cons the changes that happened well it helped that uh, it would it coincided with having children so there was a whole load of changes that happened anyway so there was a whole I was a different person when I came out. But yeah, I do. There is old Mike and new Mike. And there is a there's definitely a change there that I had that I kind of mentally had to go through, which did involve me. So how did that change? So when I was an IT guy, I would very rarely say I didn't know something. If you ask me a question, I will probably give you an answer. And it might have been a bit like chat GPT. It might have just been, you know, plausible, but maybe wrong. But I would never say I didn't know. 
oh, I'll go and look up some. But partly that was my job. People would give me IT problems and it is my job to know. You know, so that's what you do. Nowadays, I'm perfectly happy going either. I don't know that. I don't know enough about your situation. But the kicker is there's another side to that, and that is saying it's not possible to get enough information to know that that is unknowable. So when I talk about the question, what should we do about chat GPT? It's not like a physics question where you can you can't gather all the information. Jumble it all together and come out with the right answer. It doesn't work like that. Um, and that's the big difference of me going. It used to be I thought you could gather all the information. Mix it all up, put it in a formula, get the answer. But now the question of, you know, what do we do about chat GPT? What do we do about the next pandemic? You know, what do we do about people stuff? You know, right down to. How do we choose the next content management system? It's not necessarily true. You still have those IT problems possibly at the core of it, but there's a whole messy people problem around the outside. And that's now where I live. How do I define myself? There's not many people, I've not met many people like me who have both the tech, my tech background is getting a bit rusty, but the tech background and then the people stuff. Um, if someone could come up with a name for me, that would be really good. <laughs> if someone could say, oh, Mike, this is what you know, I've got a name for what you do. That would be quite handy because. Even with my work, you know, helping people draw and drawing people's ideas and communication, I don't think there's a name for that. You know, I almost have to invent my own category. But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I don't want to go back to, to something that's well known. So I don't know how to define myself. I just, you know, new mic. <laughs> yeah. So actually, when I talk with uh, the people who communicate with the computers or the machines uh, who work in technology, actually not many engineers are great speakers or people's person. Like sure. They're not great with uh, talking with people and, uh, you know, management thing. It's not easy also because uh, I remember uh, some engineers that I interviewed, they said, like, it's easy to manage computer because you know what output you will get when you give an input. But uh, it doesn't happen with the people. When you talk something, people talk something else. So you can't expect what responses that comes with the uh, yeah, we call it, there's a phrase called dispositional, which means people are generally disposed to be, things are disposed to behave in a particular way, but they're not guaranteed to behave in a particular way. That's not how computers work. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and making computers do things isn't easy. It's really, really hard. So the skills that, you know, tech people have is yeah, you know, genuinely hard to get and hard, it's hard to get them. It's hard to keep the skills up to date. Everything's changing really quickly. You know, it, it is it's a full time job keeping on top of learning what you need to do to do tech. Um, and in the same way that I found learning tech hard, 
I imagine that people doing tech find learning about people hard. I mean, I don't know how that shows up, but I can imagine that I had to put three times as much effort as everyone else when I learned physics. I didn't realize that at the time, but I think I had to put three times the effort in. And yeah, I, tech people, I imagine it's three for them. It's three times as hard as it is for me. But because I've got a foot in both camps, one of my one of my potential projects is doing a I don't know, course, workshop, book, webinar on you know, how people work written for techies. I don't know how big the market or how how interested people would be in that. But, you know, I'm a trained coach. I, I, I learned coaching. I learned team coaching. I learned complexity science. I learned systems thinking. They're my kind of. And systems. That's a full time job. You know, keeping on top of that is just as hard as keeping on top of all the tech. And so I don't think it's possible for one person to do it all. You're not going to be good at it all. So I suppose. I guess my. I can help the tech people out. If they write computer programs for me. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, and I, I think that's that's the kind of best way to look at it. But. Yeah, there is a big from being a tech person who can solve things. To understanding that some things can't be solved. For me. Was quite a identity change. And so I could see why if people have got the tech identity and they work with tech and they know it works and they can. They work with input process output and it's always the same. I can see why people would be quite daunting. You might just not want to go there. So your, your ability is same in both. Uh, so how do you uh, say about uh, working in uh, uh, working in IT and uh, working with people? So my, my abilities aren't the same in the both. Um, I could do Linux because it worked from principles. And so I was a re I was really good at Linux and I was really good at. Um, if there was a problem that no one could find. I could get a team together and we could find it. But I wasn't all that good at learning new stuff. Unless it obeyed the principles, if the new stuff obeyed some principles that I could learn, I could understand it. But if the new stuff came with learn these 10 examples. And then work out how to do, I couldn't do that because the 10 examples wouldn't fit in my brain. So I, I, I don't think I haven't really I'm not as good at, at IT. I'm not as good at. Um, I'm not as good at IT as all my peers were. There was this thing where I worked and um, I knew that they were different to me. My colleague Dave, uh, I could say to Dave, you know, three years ago when you ran that command, you know, what switches did you use? And Dave would say, oh, it was minus A, minus B, you know, minus X 47. And I go, wow, how the hell did you remember that? But for Dave, it wasn't hard. That's how Dave's brain worked. Whereas me, I'd I'd have to do it 
I'd have to learn, I do IT from first principles every time. But because I, I work with Solaris and Linux, the first principles actually existed. I don't know if you can service and the way things like that work and the way no code works. I don't know if there's a set of principles that govern everything or if it's just a lot of different things that work in a particular way because that's how they work. Um, yes, yeah, so no, I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not an expert in both camps and I am forgetting the IT stuff slowly. <laughs> so tell me about the present uh, uh, job that you are doing uh, and uh, which you are good at. So I'm, I'm freelance, so I've got a website that says book Mike now and you can click on it and you can book my time. Um, and I'm a bit like a coach because I've learned coaching, but it's it, I don't do coaching. Um, some of the things I do is uh, there's there's two strands. Firstly, I the easy one is. I can run a, an hour, an hour and a half workshop with people or, you know, a single person or a group of people, and I can get them to go from a blank whiteboard to having a whiteboard that describes their problem that they can then use to communicate. So that's one of the things I do. And there's, um, I have something called a visual thesaurus. You know how a thesaurus is a book that has a lot of words in, and if you want a word, you look up in the thesaurus. I'm building a visual thesaurus that if you want to describe uh, a dilemma or if you want to describe a transition, it's just an idea of how to draw it. Because a lot of people, they if you communicate just in words, it's really hard. If someone gives you a 10 page document to read, that document contains what's in their head. They read the document, but they don't quite get it. Uh, you know, the, the, the communication isn't as good as it could be. I can help people do like a, a drawing overview of what's in the document that helps people communicate better. Um, so that's one of the things I do. And the other thing is that rather than me teaching you to draw and you do all the drawing, the other thing I do is that I do an interview with you find out what's in your head and model it and then i do the drawing and that can be for you know for startups for businesses for projects draw your phd draw your ideas that's a general um thing where it won't it won't necessarily look great but it'll have a lot of information in you know a bit like me <laughs> it won't be a pretty it won't be a nice infographic with you know, cartoons and, you know, colour schemes, but it will be something that you can point at and it represents, you know, what you're doing. Um, you know, one of my colleagues still at the university uses a, a technique like this um, just to find out what people want. You know, he uses a similar, we can learn to at the same time, he uses a similar set of questions to find out when someone has a problem, what is it that's inside their head? And then he draws it. Or, you know, and then or he draws it or he writes it up. Uh, but then he says, is this right? You know, have I got everything? So 
Um, similarly, he's he's a he's a tech person, but he deals with people, and he does he uses a similar he uses similar skills and techniques and theories that I do um, to talk to users, so that programmers don't have to, because <laughs> he can talk to the programmers too. Yeah, so, so that that yeah, Karen, sorry. Yeah, from 2016, what kind of projects that you did as a freelancer? So I've I've been a, I've only been a freelancer for a few years. As a freelancer, the kind of projects I do are um, I drew a university module. So there's a a 12 week university module. It has four parts. Um, it's on um, mobile phone programming. And the four parts are, you don't get to write a program until the third part. You start writing code at the third part. There's two parts before that. And over the module, people learn things, but they also can make mistakes. Like if you haven't done the right sort of research, if you haven't done the right sort of design, your program doesn't work. And I should probably send you a drawing of this so you can link to it in the video um, but basically the picture is like advice from the future you know students who have already done this course made these sorts of problems and you can point at the picture that shows this problem at this time so the idea is that um, that project hopefully helps students learn better and make not to make the same problems that people made previously. Um, you know, when I was employed, I drew the university from a top level of how do we attract students? How do we um, how do we contract with them to join? And of course, we were an international university, so for UK students that was easy. But how do we um, attract students from India or China or Malaysia you know we actually used you know um, local companies to help us you know employ them who knew it turns out not many people knew that so you end up drawing a big picture of the university and people look at it and go I never knew we did that you know I run the library and I thought the library was a big thing and it is you know, the library is a great big thing that I can draw. But as part of the bigger system, it's really quite small. So, you know, that was the biggest project I did. If you can imagine, um, I'd interview university staff, find out how they did their job, build the model. What do you do? How does that happen? What comes next? And I can also say, so when you do this job, what IT system? And I did that so that they could. Um, you got a big picture of what the university did, and I think. My colleague tells me that those pictures are still on the wall in people's offices. People still use those drawings to describe what the place does. Um, you know, other things I do, I, I've worked with. Um, people writing books because they've got an idea in their head of what their book is. 
and I've modeled it by saying, you know, what user needs do you meet? When you meet these user needs, how do you do it? What's the, what's the, what are the things people need to know in order to do the thing that your book's saying? And I draw it out. And we find out that their book might rely on three or four concepts and the book might have three or four tools and it might have three or four skills. And you get, when you get a visual picture, it's almost like a visual table of contents. Um, the person can then go off and go, oh, I can write this now because I know where all the bits go. Um, and that's a combination of I use my coaching skills to find out what people want. I use the systems and complexity skills to kind of go, how does this fit together? Just those bodies of theory kind of explain how the world works in different ways, some better than others. And then I use my visual cartoon skills to draw a picture. Um, it's really weird talking about this because um, I'd rather be sat next to you with a picture and I could point out <laughs> point at what I did so maybe I could draw up a picture of what I do put it online and then people can look at it if they listen while they're listening and they can kind of see they can kind of see what I mean really mm. thanks for that question uh, the seriousness uh, that you have on doing what you're doing uh, in different yeah. projects that you said the same seriousness yeah. we have uh, while doing DevOps or cloud or programming or software engineering. The That's same. It's um, you know, the systems engineering stuff. It, it's the same thing. Um, but systems engineering falls down a bit when you start putting people in. Because people don't behave like systems behave. And that's a not that's not a problem with systems engineering. But it's also not a problem with people that's how people are but you're right so um the, the systems engineering and the systems theory and the devops stuff um absolutely it's a it's like a well-designed plumbing orchestration isn't it so those orchestration theories are exactly the same um but when i'm drawing people's stuff i can also i also have people theories so i can do the people stuff as well um one problem I had at work, I can't fully describe it here. It was quite a hard tech problem, but we couldn't even get to solve the tech problem unless we'd solve the people problem first. And that was one of the first ideas that I had that there was more to it than tech. Because the tech people had to gain trust both up the management and down the management to even be allowed to solve the problem. So, you know, we use systems engineering and we use um, you know, the scientific method for problem solving. It's nothing special. Um, but in order to be able to do that, we had to gain trust with people. And you can't use systems engineering to gain trust. You know, you can't use scientific problem solving method to get people to trust you that you can solve their problem. So absolutely, um, you know, the DevOps world 
is a, is a systems world and it's really complicated and it works and I have utmost respect for it. But there are problems that you can't solve with those tools. I feel like that's my big, that's my big thing, you know. You need to use the right tools in the right place. And I guess one, from my perspective, one of the biggest problems is people trying to use engineering type tools, you know, with, with people that, you know, doesn't work. I'm going to say it doesn't work in my opinion. <laughs> There's so much evidence. It just doesn't work. Uh, I agree with you on that. Yeah. And uh, when you came to know that, uh, uh, there is a people's person in you. Do you know that uh, when you are in IT or you came to know after coming out of IT? Oh, it was definitely coming after. And um, there, was, there was a time when you're kind of in a bit of drama with them you know, and a persecutor way of going, oh, those people, they're wrong. Now, I've learned this new thing. And all those people, they don't know it. They're, luckily, I, I mainly kept quiet because I wasn't, you know, I'm not that kind of person. But in my head, I was kind of going, yeah, they, they just need to know this new stuff. They're wrong. They don't know everything. Um, so I didn't, you know, when I was an IT person, I didn't just jump to being, um, to be able to do what I do now. I did kind of go through a phase when I was learning this stuff. But this is brilliant and this proves why everyone's wrong. You know, I still had that mentality. Um, I don't know. I managed to get through it without losing too many friends, <laughs> you know. And now I, uh, you know, as I've hopefully said, it's not that anyone's wrong. Just sometimes they're using the wrong tools in the wrong place. You know, that's that's the way I look at it now. Um, and hopefully there's evidence that they're using, you know, we can kind of use complexity science to show that there is evidence that they're using the wrong tools in the wrong place. And there is an argument to say why they're doing that. You know, it's not just an opinion. Um, but, yeah, that's quite a. It's quite an insightful question. It wasn't like before and after with just a, a switch in between. For me, there was a couple of years in between when I was going. I don't fully understand this. And I'm not fully understanding this side either. And I was a little bit in between. So maybe something I could do is, you know, help people who are in the same place. <laughs> but I've only done it once. I only know what it was like for me. I don't, I don't necessarily, as I said before, I'm happy to say I don't know the answer. You know, because it's not that sort. It's not that sort of problem. And uh, how much time you take uh, to solve people's problem if they come to you? How much time do I take? Well, when I worked in the university, and this is going to sound really funny, it took me about 40 to 45 minutes to talk to someone to get quite a lot of the information about how they did their job out of their head. I wasn't learning about their academic speciality. I was just learning about you know, how the bureaucracy works and how the systems work. 
And that took me about 40 to 45 minutes per person. But then when you go to the next person, you ask them and they have a slightly different opinion to the first person. And then the third, the next person is another hour. So if I'm working with one person, I can talk to them for about an hour. And then maybe an hour or so of work after that, I can come up with a rough picture of here's what's, here's what you're looking at, but it will be rough. And if you want it to look nice, you know, that all that takes time. But it can be remarkably quick. If it's a single person, I can probably talk to you for an hour and then I can spend an hour drawing something and we'll end up, I'll be able to say, is this what you think? And most of it you'll go, yeah, that's actually, that's what I think. If I have to scrunch together more than one person's opinion, it's just like exponential. <laughs> I can interview five people and then take a week thinking about, you know, drawing. How can I make all this visually appear where everyone sees their own stuff? So, yeah, single people, um, it starts at a couple of hours. Um, teams, groups, organisations, it's hard, but no two problems are the same. And the, the workshop I do where I, where I teach people to draw an hour to an hour and a half, people can be. Um, if you start with nothing, people can be actually confidently communicating with drawing but they won't know everything but they'll know enough that they can you know be confident so what are your people's skills that uh, makes you to get the result that you want what, what are the skills i use something called clean language interviewing clean language is a method from it actually comes from therapy and it's a set of questions in therapy that allow a therapist to talk to someone and find out what they think without the therapist's own views and worldview and opinions getting in the way. Actually, I say that it minimizes the therapist's own views and worldviews getting in the way. You can't get rid of it completely. But those it's a set of questions that was uh, developed by a guy called David Grove so that and he was a he was a proper psychotherapist. Um, he could talk to people and find out about problems they had without his understanding getting in the way. Now I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't do that. In fact, I don't talk about people's problems as much as I talk about their work. And I don't use the exact clean questions because they're a bit weird. But I use contextually clean questions. So those questions like. What do you do? Is there anything else about that? What happens next? And then if someone says, well, I use a computer, you know, we use a software, I can say, oh, that's software. So how does that work? Where does that come from? What happens next there? And in the same way you would, I mean, I've literally done this to when someone's had an idea of an IT system in their head, I can use the same technique to model. You imagine you could model a DevOps system with this. You could start with, this live server, how does that work? So what happens before the live server? And what, what about that? And after that? And you can, with those questions, that they're, they're simple, but they're not easy. It's quite hard to slip into, I know best. Oh, I think that too. But if you can keep in that space of asking 
non-leading questions and using the other person's words, that's the tool I use to get things out of people's heads. Um, and I learned that on a, you know, in, with, I learned that by learning coaching, you know, cause it's a coaching method. Um, and I don't use it with, you know, I'm not a therapist. I don't use it for therapy. I don't use it for people's problems. <laughs> I use it for people's, you know, real world stuff. But as you imagine, you know, I could probably interview you about a, a DevOps system and then draw it. And I will be able to get the stuff out of your head in a way that if you were to tell me, I would struggle to keep up with you. But I'm almost picking the bits out of your head and asking, asking for the next bit. Which means that I can then and the questions I ask. They're based on systems theory. If you're talking about an IT system, I'll be asking systems engineering type questions. If you're talking about other systems, I'll be asking questions that are appropriate for those. Does that answer your question? So how will you know that subject before asking questions? I need a contract. So I don't just do this. I absolutely do not um, strike up a conversation like this. That's, you know, and as far as coaching goes, if a novice coach comes up and starts trying to coach you without agreement, it's really annoying, right? <laughs> you know, who gave you the right? So I actually, there's a contract where I would say to the academics or someone, we're going to spend an hour, we're going to talk about what you do and how you do it and what you know. And that's enough of a contract that I can then ask these questions. And it also means there's, there's stuff that I can't ask about. You know, if they talk about their colleagues and how annoyed they are with them, I can't, I don't have the contract to talk about that. So I, I, I go, uh, let's not go there, let's stay here. So it's not like a normal conversation where it, it might go off in different directions. You end up talking about, you know, personal relationships or stuff outside of work. I'm really strict. You know, we talk about the thing we agreed to talk about and we find out everything there is to find out about it. And that's how I know when I'm, you know, at the end, um, I, you know, I show people the, the drawing and I say, what's missing? And people often they'll spend two or three minutes going, you know, but when they say, no, that's it, that's everything. You know, like like if I drawn up your um, CI/CD DevOps pipeline, and everyone stood in front of it and looked at the picture, and I said, "What's missing?" You know, and then when people say things, I change it. You know, so that's how I that's how I work really. Just giving away all my skills. <laughs> so it's good that. Uh you're doing this and uh, so and also is there any project that made you think so much in the present job that you're doing is there any project that made me think so much i think it's the um i need to design a questionnaire um for a university department to ask what do we do about chat gpt because um, 
some people think we shouldn't use it at all. Sorry, it's not me. Some people think they shouldn't use it at all. Chat GPT should be banned. Students should never use it. Other people think Chat GPT should be used everywhere. Why not? It's you know using computers to do work better. Other people think, you know how academic references work? Maybe you should academically reference. I put in this prompt and got this answer, and then I did this work on top. Um, and working out a set of because I'll probably only get one chance. People might be happy filling in a questionnaire once, but if I tell them I got a bit wrong, I mean, if they're paying me as a consultant, you know, I need to get it by first time. So what I'm doing this week is thinking about that problem. And I'm, I'm co-creating it with someone at the university. I, I'm not doing this all by myself. I'm talking to them, finding out what they need, finding out what their I find out what their outcomes need to be outcome related. When you have this information, what is it you then want to be able to do? Um, so yeah, a lot of my work is outcome related rather than rather than saying I've done the process and it's now done. You know, I say before we do the process, what is it you want to do when we finish this? So right now, that's my kind of main problem to chew over academic and i think every university in the in the whole world must be having the similar problem right you know how do what do we do because <laughs> you know even me the first thing you know if i need to if someone asks me for a, a particular type of report ask chat gpt what it looks like and chat gpt will tell you you know here's an outline of that sort of report it, it's for that sort of thing, you know, it is good. But yeah, that's that's my current um, my current thinking project. So one last question, because you worked in uh, you know computer side, now you're working on people side. Uh, yeah. So you know how uh, the internally so how software works, uh, how the mechanisms, how it is made. At least uh, you you have an idea. You may not be working in you know completely, but you know how things works because of the previous experience of yours. So you have spent a lot of your lifetime in working in IT. Yeah. Now you are great at uh, creating system which works for people and which makes people to work on systems called yeah. computers maybe so how uh, you know this technology or the software should be made uh, with which these people can be used and utilize it in such a way that should be balanced and uh, should be useful i don't know i, you know, I said I, there are questions that i don't know the answer to I mean, I don't think there is a single answer, um, you know, especially with software, because there's so many different contexts. Um, but if I put my coaching hat on, you start off not knowing and you start with an open mind and you ask. And then when you've asked, you know, that's true now, but that might change. You know, people are allowed to change their minds. We do it all the time. And you need feedback. 
you know, because if something changes, you have to change something. Usually, not always, you know, if you're making software for a nuclear power plant, you know, you don't get to change your mind about the safety, you know, so there's so many contexts. But <clears throat> I don't think there's one size fits all. But I think where people are involved, um, you have to talk to the people. You can't, um, you need to have a representative of the people who is actually really the person. You know, um, extreme programming, are you familiar with that? They have a concept of an on-site customer. So rather than, talk, rather than a developer talking to a project manager and saying, am I doing the right thing? They talk to an actual customer who will be using their software. So whilst I don't know enough or favor any particular methodology, um, a lot of what X XP was doing appears like it's in the right direction. You know, if you're making software for a person, you know, have that person in the office to ask them questions. <laughs> you know, that, that's what a coach would do. You know, they would go, what do you think of this? And they'll be asking a, a person rather than a requirements document or a project manager or something like that. Does that work? Is that an, is that an answer or have I skirted the question? <laughs> yeah, I, I understood what you said. Yeah, awesome. And I'll, I'll share your web link uh, on the screen. People who find our video on YouTube uh, can see the work that you are doing and uh, can uh, can do work with you as well. That would be brilliant. I'll send you some links so that people can see what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I kind of think late today. I'll draw up the answers that I gave you so that people can kind of see. Um, yeah, and I'll put them on my website. If you can link to them, that would be great. Yeah, and yeah. if you want to work with me, you know, that, this is what I do. If you've, you know, I'm a coach, I do drawing, I do people systems, but I totally understand IT, or at least I totally understand IT from 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not quite up to speed, but that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, I'll present your work uh, in the form of uh, text in my website as well people who find my website also can see uh, your work and uh, along with the video this video this conversation that's amazing i'm not sure what you're going to call me let me have a think if i can help you think of a here's mike he does he does tech and people systems yeah i don't know <laughs> maybe some of your viewers could help describe what it is i do you know if you come up with a good example, if you could, if you come up with a really good example, I might use it. That's, <laughs> that's where I am right now. Maybe you'll get answer after uh, this. Yeah. So thanks. So Thank you. Uh, your questions were. I like your questions were really insightful and your listening was exquisite. <laughs> Thank you. You're definitely on the people side as well, a little bit, I think. <laughs> So, yeah, that's not uh, your observation I need because uh, you're a people's person. You're an expert in this right now. And also you worked on uh, uh, computer side. So what do you what do you say about my videos? Have you seen any videos of mine on YouTube? Well, I had a I had a look. I have to admit, I haven't watched them all, but I've watched parts of some of them. You know, some quite long parts. And. 
it's almost what you don't do that's good you know you don't interrupt people you don't jump in with your opinion and you don't um you're not so you know when i said clean language doesn't interject your stuff i mean you're doing that it's the clean language isn't something magic that people aren't doing it's just a set of rules that make sure you do it all the time and so you are you listen to what i said because you had to listen in order to ask the question your next question is based on what i said it you didn't pre-prepare it didn't feel like you pre-prepared it so you were able to listen hold what i said in your head as i went on for a couple of minutes and then when i stopped you could pick back what i said and ask me a question about it and that's a coaching skill if you you i'm sure you speak to people who can't do that you know um and you let me speak and then when i stop speaking you don't just jump in you let me have a think if there's anything else and not everyone does that right you know sometimes people wait you know they'll have a set of questions and whatever answer someone gives they'll just go to the next question and i don't think that happened here i think you listened to what i said and then you thought up a really you know like the the question about the gap you know between being a tech to a person you know how did it happen and it took years um you had to have been listening and thinking and paying attention to be able to ask that question which is why you know i when you asked me to appear i had a look and thought you know what sort of questions are going to be asked and i was quite um you know, happy you know when i saw that that's what you were doing with other people um this felt like a good place to be uh, you are an expert uh, you are observing me as well and uh, only you caught me what uh, the way i'm uh, asking and uh, the way i'm observing and uh, the way i'm thinking when you are saying something because i most of the time i interview people who are engineers who talk with computers yeah, yeah. don't uh, explain like you said yeah i'm busted as a as a when you do coaching and team team coaching that's what you learn to do literally the skill that you do is what are people saying how are they saying it what do they mean um and as a coach you're both doing that and thinking of the next question that it's a proper juggling act you know because you you can't just be thinking what's my next question you know what am i doing you've got to be looking at what the other people does and have names for what they do that's so one of the things i do with my people tell me their stuff and i give it a name oh that's this oh that's the other that's something else and when you have a name for something you can start playing with it so when you have the when they have the idea that you know there's the thing someone said and i can pick out i can pick out arguments i can pick out evidence i can pick out where they're infer- inferring stuff i can pick out where i think there's a gap where i'd like to ask a question um you are either consciously or unconsciously doing that else you know how did you how did you manage to ask the question so either you've done a bit of this training and you've done some coaching i i don't know or 
know, that's just how you are. I'll share uh, the feedback that you gave about me with my audience because it's the best uh, feedback that I ever got. <laughs> no problem. I mean, thanks for having me on. And this, as like, this is what I do. You know, as as a, I have a whole set of skills, and I'd like to sell them to people. I don't exactly know what words to use, but this is the kind of thing I do. You know. Uh, but as well as that, I could probably draw your CI/CD pipeline. <laughs> you know, I, tech and people—I I don't know. But yeah, that, thank you. That's that's fine. Um, if I think of anything else, you know, I can I can uh, DM you with it. Or if you've got anything you'd like to ask me about anything in particular that you're worried about, I'll I can let you know if I noticed anything. Sure, Mike. Sure, yeah, Mike. Yeah, Thank you. It's uh, it's valuable that your presence and uh, your your words and uh, the you, your your experience and uh, the service that you are doing uh, uh, sharing this is also extremely valuable. Uh, also, uh, for me, also people who watches this, uh, uh, thank you very much. Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I will send you some links that you can put in the description. People want to see the pictures. Yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. I'll, I'll put it. Also, can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission? Yes. Most of what I do is Creative Commons. Um, and I, I'm happy to tell people how I do it as well. Um, because I don't know, that's how the internet works, isn't it? Yeah, so totally, you can use this um, YouTube podcast Social media, no problem. Yeah, and can you spell your website or your presence, uh, online presence, to my podcast listeners? Uh, my my website is mikehaber.co. I did forget that. M i k e h a b e r dot co. But that will be if I can send you a link and get that in the description, they'll be able to click on it. But mikehaber.co is the start of where everything is. But I'm on Twitter and I'm on Substack as mikehaber.substack. So you can kind of, I'll send you all my social links and if you could add those, that would be wonderful. Yeah, it will be on the screen as well. People who uh, watch this interview, they can see all the, the complete interview. They can see your links also in the description, also in my website as well. Thank you very much, Mike, again for, for the great no uh, time. I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, sir. Then. Okay, bye-bye.